Welcome to Decoding Superhuman. This show is a deep dive into obsessions with health, performance, and how to elevate the human experience. I explore the latest tools, science, and technology with experts in various fields of human optimization. This is your host, Boomer Anderson. Enjoy the journey. All right, the supplement industry is just absolutely crazy. You buy something thinking that it's going to help you, and oftentimes the ingredients don't match what's on the label, the effects are not the same as what is claimed, and frankly, it could be just a waste of money. So what do you do as a consumer? Because you don't have the time, like I do, to just flip through all of the research, ask all the questions, etc. How do you really get to the point? Well, my guest today is here to really shed some light on that. His name is Sean Wells, and Sean is a friend through many other friends. Thank you, Dasha Maximov, for the introduction here. But he's formulated over 500 supplements, foods, beverages, and cosmeceuticals, and patented over 10 novel ingredients. He's now known as the ingredientologist, which is just a scientist for ingredients. And he's formerly a chief clinical dietitian with over a decade of clinical experience. What I like about this conversation is within the first several minutes of the conversation and in his book, actually, you get all of the real answers you need to identify the supplements that are right for you, the brands that have decades of loyalty and really have lived up to what's on the label. Sean sheds light on his personal experience with things like chronic fatigue syndrome, Epstein-Barr, fibromyalgia, depression, insomnia, obesity, and so much more. We get into psychedelics and how really 2020 was a blessing for both Sean and I in terms of personal discovery. You're going to want to check out his book, which we'll link to in the show notes, but the really... The show notes for this one are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Sean. That's S-H-A-W-N. Since we're having a conversation about supplements, thought it might be useful to talk about transcriptions. Over a year ago, we came out with blue canatine. And blue canatine has served the trobellium very, very well, giving you guys access to focus, for four to six hours. You get flow states easier. You have verbal fluency. I use it very, very often on this podcast. Then we came out with Just Blue, 16 milligrams of pure methylene blue. Pharmaceutical grade, of course, because you don't want that other crap. And this year will be a year of new novel products. Stay tuned as we explore our role as the Precision Dose Cannabis Company. You can find out more about transcriptions at transcriptions.com and use the code BOOMER because all Decoding Superhuman listeners are going to get a discount and you're going to get 10% off your purchase. Let's get on with my conversation with Sean Wells. Sean Wells, Boomer. for as many mutual connections as we have, this is, a, this is a pleasure just getting to have this conversation. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited as well. It's it is funny that we have so many friends in common and uh, people that I consider 
not just knowledgeable, but really good human beings. And they all think highly of you. And I think they think highly of me. So it's, uh, I think it's going to be a great friendship and I'm looking forward to getting to know you. Yeah, absolutely. More than just this conversation for sure. So as a person who also travels quite a bit, uh, I have to ask what has 2020 meant for you? Because I read somewhere that actually you have this in your book, you're scheduled to travel 300 days a year, which is a lot, my friend. Mm -hmm. So what did 2020 turn out like for you? Yeah. Um, you know, the years prior, uh, it was, a, it was a hundred days and then it became 200 days. And then 2020 was supposed to be 300 days. And I was chasing achievement. Uh, I have all the credentials and letters after my name. And I was trying to get into bigger and better masterminds. I was trying to get on bigger and better stages, bigger and better podcasts. And there's nothing inherently wrong about trying to level up to some degree, but uh, I think my intentions behind it were not true to myself all the time. You know, I, I, I feel like I was searching for love outwardly by accomplishment and not realizing that I can get love for free by just, you know, putting the right people around me and, and just opening up and connecting with deep quality relationships. So I was pushing really hard. Uh, it's called in in uh, in Peru. They talk about the uh, puma, the condor, and the snake, and these different energies. And the puma is like that drive for achievement, the drive to accomplish. And the snake is like uh, is a grounded energy. It's shedding. It's transition. Um, and then the condor is like the strategic, you know, like oversight, like, you know, view from above kind of thing. And you have to take on different energies at different points in your life. There isn't, you know, one that's inherently better than the other, but I was definitely stuck in what they even call wounded Puma, which a lot of entrepreneurs are, you know, some of our drive to accomplish comes from trauma and insecurity and we accomplish amazing things and you know we outwork other people we we have incredible drive you know 80 100 hour work weeks whatever build businesses acquire wealth employ a lot of people you know so many entrepreneurs i know are so amazing you know at, at, at just raw accomplishment it's incredible to watch but there's a pain that's underlying and there's a desire to keep working to almost cover it up. And I was so blessed that 2020 allowed me to really take a massive step back and go from wounded Puma to uh, snake when I was in these journeys that I was doing quite a bit, we can talk about. And then, <laughs> and then the condor to really, you know, look at what is serving me. Like, what, what are these things that are actually lighting me up? I was so busy that anyone would say, uh, you want to do the speaking engagement? You want to do like this TV show, do this thing? Like, yes. If it's a thing and I've got an opening, yes. And I started looking at it. I'm like, you know, TV thing was cool for like my sizzle reel, but a three minute, you know, 
blurb of like me saying, yes, keto's cool. All right, back to you, Bob. You know, and it's like, that was, <laughs> why did I just do that? You know, it's like, and I love like, I love going deep on podcasts. And I started like thinking about what, what actually lights me up? What does serve me? And I really started putting boundaries around things, getting rid of things. I had FOMO around, I was getting scientific advisory board uh, requests all the time and just, yes, 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 yes. And a lot of them I just didn't like. I didn't like the energy of the people. I didn't, but I was worried. I was worried I might miss out on something. And it was so good going into 2020 and doing journeys, putting mentors around me, mentoring others, uh, getting a you know a couple therapists, and you know taking this this time to really just do a deep dive into myself. And it was a game changer for me, and it really changed the the shape of the book I was writing. It, it led <laughs> to me rewriting it several times, uh, now even re-recording it. Uh, but it's it's now something I'm more proud of. I'm in a position now where I'm very, very much at ease. I feel like uh, I can manifest instead of like clawing for things, scraping mm-hmm. and reaching and like desiring and I'm going to show them to now it's like, I am. Would you like to join me? <laughs> <laughs> and it's a very different energy. And, uh, and I'm so proud that I got to move through that. And there's no way I would have done that unless it was a pandemic that stopped everything. Unless I had like, you know, some massive health situation, like, you know, I got cancer or heart attack or, you know, I'm so blessed that it was not that. And that this <laughs> happened. And I'm just so, so thankful you know, obviously, I don't like the idea of, of the negative repercussions of a pandemic, but of what it allowed me to do in 2020 was was massive, like a, a full shift. So, yes, it was amazing. And I think there's a lot of people and I was actually surprised at this, but when I started polling people um, who have a similar lifestyle, traveling all the time. Uh, always looking at achievement, the next promotion, the next raise, whatever it is. Uh, there's a lot of people that saw 2020 in that way, and myself included. You know, I've never spent more than three weeks in the same city since I was probably 25 years old. Uh, and so this was quite an enlightening period for myself as well. Now, I want to go, at one point you made there was and I do find this is a very common thing among entrepreneurs is that there's this desire to achieve around covering up either trauma or past experiences, desire to prove people wrong. In your particular situation, if you're open to going down this route, well, do you mind just setting the stage for us in terms of what kind of led to Sean Wells, the world's greatest formulator? <laughs> Yeah, and, and you're right. And when I've been in these mastermind circles, uh, when you're really getting raw with, with especially men, male entrepreneurs, um, there's a lot of pain there. And we're mm-hmm. taught to suppress it. Mm-hmm. You're a bitch if you cry, right? You're, yeah. you're a wussy if you cry. If you show any weakness, especially in this circle, like where it's like, you know, we're taught to hustle and grind, you don't show weakness. You grind, you grind your way through it, through yeah. the pain. That's mm-hmm. how you earn your badge. That's what I was taught. 
And that's what my father was taught. And so it was a very disciplined, difficult childhood. Um, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not his fault either. You know, it's, it's, that's what his, his dad was incredibly tough on him. And it's just one of those things that, that we're taught as men and as human beings to just be tough, tough it out, stick it out, grind it out, you know, don't cry, let's go, come on, you know, push through it. And that's what I was doing. I was grinding away. And if you think about grinding and pieces breaking off and heat and, you know, you're breaking down, your head's down, you're miserable, just keep pushing through it. And this is the worst advice ever. Hustle, yes. Hustle, sure. There's times to be in that sympathetic nervous system mode where you, you hustle for it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But grind? No. No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Like one of the, the greatest aspects of self-love to me that I learned is setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I put boundaries around things that are energy draining to me. And grinding is most certainly energy draining. And I will also say that you're quite often, I believe, in the right place, right time, all the time. But your mm-hmm. head's down. You're just not seeing it. Your head's down. You're tired. You're not thriving. You're not connecting with the world around you. You're not connecting with these opportunities that are right there. I don't know if it's so much that you're just manifesting it as it is like you're, you're connecting and your head's up and you're aware. You know, like... It's, it's one of those things that I'm kind of like learning my way through, but you know, going back to my childhood, uh, I was also overweight. I was bullied. Uh, I considered suicide quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just was a kid that would come home and, and, you know, eat sugar cereal and, and watch TV and play video games and just, you know, try and hide away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, into college, like I, I, I got anorexic. I went from like 300 pounds at six foot two to uh, 150 pounds. What was that trend? What caused that transition? Was it just oh, sort I of just, like, hey, I need to lose this weight. And then it became the extreme. It was just powerful in college when I, I had like maybe three friends and I felt mm-hmm. very alone. And, uh, and they weren't even, you know, <laughs> deep friendships. And uh, I just felt like I was dangling on like a, a little cord out in space. This and, is at Babson, right? It's, yeah. And, okay. uh, and I, yeah, I started losing weight and, and that was good. And then uh, you had mentioned in, in my book, I talk about this doctor that, that really changed my mm-hmm. perspective. Uh, but it was around that time that I was like working out using supplements and I was getting great change, but it, it ended up going almost in a, in a really unhealthy direction, like where I was, uh, weighing myself, like right after I peed, you know, and it's just, I wanted to get like as emaciated as I possibly could, because I just thought fat was, was the worst thing ever. And I hated my body. And so I went that other direction. There was body dysmorphia. And then I, and then I bounced back and had like uh, a lot of working out like five, six days a week and four hours a day and, you know, two times a day and all the supplements. And I got orthorexic, you know, I was like, I, mm-hmm. as soon as I was done working out, I'm, I'm going catabolic. I have 
I've got to like eat, you know, protein immediately. This is the window, <laughs> you know, the whole thing. Um, and so there was a long period of my life that I had a lot of body dysmorphia and self-loathing. And, mm. um, but yes, I, I did meet a doctor, uh, when I was about halfway through at Babson, a business specialty school. And, uh, and he changed my life path. I was telling him about supplements and working out and then I was getting all these benefits and I was like super passionate about it. And he looked at me and he's like, is that right if I tell you something? And I was like, yeah, of course. And, you know, at, at this time I didn't have exposure to like entrepreneurs and all these people online accomplishing all these things. I didn't know the Oprah's and, and Tony Robbins and all these people. I just like, for me, like a doctor was like, wow. And so he drew out this lifeline for me, like I was 20 at the time and he drew it out to 80 and he said, why not be happy between here and here? He could tell like that the business thing was what I was doing, you know, to please my parents or doing to please the world. And like this stuff really interested me and lit me up. And for him as a doctor that has no responsibility to, to say that to me, him to do that for me was was life-changing and and it was someone that at that time like I would take their their thoughts and opinions very seriously because I looked at him as super successful and accomplished mm-hmm. and that that really opened the door for me to say I can go do this like I literally like I don't have to stay on this path like everyone else was telling me that was stupid that if I went back to school you just need to go get a job you know, get out there and work. But this guy like kind of gave me permission to go pursue what was now my passion and my dream. And, uh, and that allowed me to become all the things that I've become. So it's one of those things that like, there would be no quote unquote, world's greatest formulator or the book that I have, or all the people I've impacted, or us talking in this podcast without that one guy going out of his way to tell me something that changed my life. Like that, mm-hmm. I just, I look at that as so profound and it impacts me all the time when I think back on it, that I can have that impact on someone, whether they realize mm-hmm. it now or not, or whether I realize it now or not, my words and my actions can greatly change someone's life path. Yeah. That's, that's powerful for me. I mean, it's, it sounds incredibly powerful in general. It's also, uh, I imagine at the time, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Sean, is probably quite terrifying because you're breaking a barrier. And it sounds like, uh, you know, we may have had similar upbringings in terms of what parents wanted for us. And breaking that barrier can be very, very challenging. Uh, was the doctor involved in some of the, like, at least helping you through those conversations with some of the key people in your life? Or did you just kind of, you know, bowl in the China shop style, go through it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. More, the more the bull in the China shop thing, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. and that's how I was like, I, I think I just, and same with like my weight, like you were talking about before, I just hit this point where I was so disgusted with myself. And I think I took so many hateful comments about as I was not only overweight, but I have a, a gynoid fat distribution, uh, which mm-hmm. is, you know, big butt basically and big legs. And so for that, I got attacked a lot and I, and girls Mm -hmm. made fun of me a lot and the guys would laugh about it a lot. And it just hit a point where it's like, 
it was unhealthy uh, what I was thinking about myself, but it led to pretty radical change um, mm-hmm. in a very short period of time. And I have the power to do that. Like that's like, you know, when we're talking about the entrepreneur drive, it's very similar. Like I will outwork, outlast, outpush just about anyone. But mm-hmm. it can, you know, there's times when that's that's a powerful skill, and then there's times that that's you know kind of your undoing. And it was mm-hmm. very unhealthy for me. And it ended up leading to a lot of health issues for me where I had autoimmune issues with Epstein-Barr, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, Hashimoto's. Wow. I couldn't get out of bed for six months. Wow. And pain and inflammation. And I, again, thought of suicide mm-hmm. uh, because I thought my life was over. All this studying, that was, this was while I was getting my master's at Chapel Hill in nutrition and biochemistry. Um, I thought all this work, all this effort, all the sacrifices, it's all for nothing. I'm just going to spend my life in bed and pain and not able to to function. Um, And then that led me to keto and and a bunch of other things that that really helped me. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that like all these people that are really good at what they do, there's like some real reasons behind it. There's some real passion behind it. And there was other points in my life. It was about eight years ago that I got a brain tumor. And again, at the same time, I was like at dimatized. I was working 80 hours a week. I was getting out of my good habits because it was night and day. We, we were pushing to sell the company. We eventually did sell it in three years to post for $425 million. And so the, the air around dimatized wasn't just work, work, work. It's like push, push, push for this goal. And that sucked the life out of me too. I mean, again, accomplished great things, but was not healthy. And then I got a brain tumor mm. and, you know, that's where each point, like I've, I've learned to like, wait, I, I need to stop. I need to reevaluate. And so it just seems like every now and then in my life, there's like something that my body's saying, like, stop. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to look at this. Like, you know, all these things to do. And you can learn all these things and you can put the right experts around you. Let's, let's reimagine what your life looks like. And mm-hmm. that's been very helpful to me to, to have those moments to stop. And now I'm very appreciative of my body. Most of my life I've hated my body. Mm-hmm. And now I'm actually thankful to my body that despite me hating it and with all the pushing I did and driving and accomplishment I did, that it lasted through all that. And it's now served me. And now I'm just thankful that it's here, that it survived all that hell that I put it through mentally and physically. It's it's incredible. So uh, it seems like over the course of life, you had a number of signals that say like, hey, this bowl in the China shop at it, you know, going back to that metaphor is not the right approach. But similar to many people, in this entrepreneurial position, you kind of re-rack, deal with the signal at hand, and then almost re-engage the bull. Um, whether it be body dysmorphia or just sort of the uh, the constant foot on the gas pedal, what? And you mentioned journeys earlier, so I'm happy to go down that if you feel like this is the right pro, um, time. But what kind of got you to this? state of homeostasis, uh, for lack of a better word, where you got more comfortable with the body fat distribution. I I certainly have something similar. 
um, big, big thighs, for instance, but what got you more comfortable with just Sean Wells as a person? I think when I was able to grant myself some grace in the plant medicine space, but two, when I granted myself accomplishment, achievement, and I'm proud of me, instead of searching for all these people that I was wanted to give me that accolade, especially my father, mm-hmm. uh, there was one moment I went into with this really great hypnotherapist. He works with like very elite uh, poker players. Uh, his name is Elliot Rowe. I, and, I have a connection to Elliot. So I'm oh, familiar cool. with his work. Yeah. So he, he did some regression with me and took me back to a moment that was, you know, a traumatic argument uh, in, in my childhood and, and he had me, you know, I'm sure you've heard of like the, you know, can you hug that, that child there? Like that's you. Right. And that was powerful. I mean, and that makes sense. You've probably heard that before. I was already very emotional at that point. And then he said, what does that child think about you? And that's when I had like a full on breakdown and, and that child was in awe of me and so proud of me. And that to give myself that, I think, you know, for 40 some years, I had been driving for that to allow myself that was, was powerful. And that's when I stopped worrying about the things, the outward things, the aesthetics, the, you know, what people think of me, I'm just proud of me. And like the desire to please other people started fading away. And then in the plant medicine space, it was similar to my, my first journey uh, was with mostly people I didn't know, maybe about 20 people. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was a very, it was, it was a, it's very important that you create like a safe container. Uh, you know, the whole set and setting thing, like you need to go in with the right mindset. You need to have people that are creating the right setting and have a desire to help you set intentions and then do integration afterwards. But it's also, it needs to be a safe container that you feel comfortable in, that you can be seen in, that you can be vulnerable in. And you need to trust the facilitators that they have your best interest in heart. And then that you are taking the right plant medicine in the right amount at the right time. And they know your medical history, they know your emotional history and all this stuff. And so they can guide that. And with me, they started me slow and I had like kind of two re-ups, you know, during the night for uh, psilocybin. Mm -hmm. And that allowed me, you know, as someone who wasn't experienced to kind of slowly, you know, move into it and not feel overwhelmed. And what matters is that you, lean into the medicine that you like it's very easy that you can actually like lean out and not have it take any effect unless you take massive hero doses that just overwhelm so i liked being able to kind of lean in and one of the really cool things is you know i've been all these masterminds like i said and leveling up and people you know i'm trying to like talk to the people that i think are like a level above me and then there's of course people that are trying to talk to me that think i'm a level up and and it's like this 
you know, what can they do for me? What am I doing for them? Kind of exchanges that you're starting to think in this mindset. But I was in this room and everyone was just loving. They didn't know who I was and people gravitated to me and I was able to just access like this full on childlike playful self and have people just interact with me and do cuddle puddles and all this stuff. <laughs> and, and I realized that like that, that was the moment that I realized that love is free. Love is here. Like I don't have to go out and achieve and earn it. It's right here. If I want it, these people don't even know me and they're spending time with me because they love me because they like who I am. I'm like, I can, I can have this anytime I want this. And I'm spending all this time, money, energy, like trying to, to go get this. You don't realize that's what you're trying to do. That's what you're trying to do. Because this thing, this love, like is worth more than the cars and houses and status and all the shit. It's what you really want in your heart of hearts is to be appreciated and to, to give love and to feel love from yourself and others. And so that was that was so powerful for me. And then to also realize in that in this space that night that I can be anything I want right now. If I want to just stop being a formulator and just go travel the mountains, I can go do that. I mean, there's repercussions for that, but I could just go do that. And there was a freedom in that, just realizing that, that I'm not like on like a set path that kind of like that doctor gave for me. I gave it to myself that night in the plant medicine that I can be anything I want. And if I keep wanting to change and kind of go down this psychedelic, you know, path and enlighten people that way, then that's what I'm going to do. Like whatever mm. lights me up and interests me. And, and those people that are interested in me will follow me or I'll get new people that are interested in this new thing I'm in. And I just mm -hmm. need to chase my passions and find the things that light me up and not worry about, pleasing everyone. It's very powerful. Um, Sean, I think there's something that we should, we should touch on around psychedelics because, you know, I've certainly, I've talked openly about my use of them in the past. And I think it's much as it sounds with you accelerated my own personal growth. What do you think is most misunderstood about, um, some of these journeys, plant medicine, psychedelics in general, and what do you think people out there should know about them um, even before embarking or even doing their own research? Medicinal mushrooms have played a significant role in boosting my immunity in recent years, but I'm a person who hasn't really used mushrooms most of my life. In fact, when I was in sixth grade biology, I had an allergic reaction to them and avoided them largely until I was forced to eat them at client dinners in the finance world. But now I incorporate mushrooms like chaga, reishi, and even lion's mane into my everyday routines. And what company do I trust most in those medicinal mushroom realms? Well, it's the guys over at Kappa Health. I've had Eric Perro on the show before. You've actually seen me talk to him again on Instagram too. But he is a fantastic wealth of knowledge and the dedication to the science that these guys have is quite impressive. 
head on over to kappahealth.com. It's K-A-A-P-A-H-E-L-T-H.com and use the code BOOMER for a 10% discount. Let's get on with the show. I think there's a difference between these plant medicines that can be teachers and just what people consider as like recreational addictive drugs that are just euphoria in and of themselves Mm -hmm. or a rush. Mm -hmm. Um, This is very different from that. Like these plant medicines I've used, I would not say are addictive, especially in the way that I've used them. When I, when I Mm -hmm. go into a container and again, I have facilitators I don't, I, I do not do these things really on my own at this point yet. Well said. I, yeah. I think I will at some point, mm-hmm. but I need to feel comfortable as myself to be a facilitator for others that I can do that for myself. Mm-hmm. So I am being facilitated in a way where I'm learning my reaction in this space, learning how to maneuver in this space. And these these are tools. They're all tools, I would say, largely to help you tap into higher self and break down uh, ego constructs. There's a lot of powerful constructs that we build over time uh, that help us survive, but they do not help us thrive. Uh, like I was talking about before, like it helps protect us from you know, being wounded these stories and these, you know, realities, quote unquote, that we, that we take on these constructs or in, in the idea of Byron Katie, it's the stories or in the idea of uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, it's the agreements that we're making over time. Right. Right. So it's that it's, it's peeling those away. And I stopped feeling one of the biggest, most powerful learnings for me too, during plant medicine is that I always felt like I was broken and I feel like biohacking there's almost like a insinuation that you are broken, like that you need to fix it. You need to hack it you know, quick time. Let's find the shortcut. Mm-hmm. You know, there's on one hand, there's that quick fix of biohacking. On the other hand, there's the, there's the, there's the grinding it out for years and suffering. And we love these mindsets, but in the mm-hmm. middle, there's like, a joy, a peace, a centeredness of you are not broken. You were born perfect and beautiful. And over time, we've built some of these constructs that we just need to break down and move away. Just like we get the car polished and the car Mm -hmm. looks great. Like we just need to clean it up from time to time. And I think the ego needs a reset from time to time. They call it like ego death sometimes when you're in some of the more intense journeys. We can really see past all that stuff and you forgive, you forgive others, you forgive yourself. You have a clear view of what your truth is. So much of our anger and frustration that we're, that we're feeling for other people is truly with ourselves because we're not aligned. We're not in alignment with our truth and that upsets us, but that's very deep within And there's a bunch of ego construct stuff that's telling you it's all about these people around you. They're screwing with you. They're fucking you over. They're jerks. Why would they do this to me? You didn't set out the ground rules. You didn't lay out the communication. You weren't real with yourself. You didn't put the right people around you. You didn't take the time to think this through. Mm -hmm. Who are you mad with? You're mad with yourself. 
and you're just projecting it out, you have that resentment outwards. And it's because you have so much expectations and expectations create resentment. You really should go through life with a whole lot less expectations, mm -hmm. have like a creative, playful heart and say like, you know, the, the universe is working for me. Let's see what happens here. Uh, but that's, that's a, you know, the, the biggest learning and, and with a plant medicine, like, again, it, it's just so key to have really good facilitators. You go in and you set intentions. You say, this is my plan for what I'm going to get out of this journey. I've been working through this and I would like to get some answers to this. And it helps <laughs> when you set that intention. I mean, just like in everyday life, like if you're working on your gratitude journal or, you know, whatever it is, like make a plan for the day and, you know, by, by and large, you'll achieve it. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of your journey, you have integration and that integration not only takes place that day with those facilitators who are very skilled at helping you through that. Like, what does this mean? What is it that you learn? But like, how do you apply it to your life in the real world? for the next coming days, months, and years for real change so that it isn't just an escape. It isn't just, I'm trying to get away from my real life. If you're around the right people, these become powerful tools, but it depends how you use them. And yeah, if you were just listening to a Led Zeppelin album in the seventies, you know, maybe you just be like, Hey man, cool. Like, you know, this music's great. You know, have that kind of experience. But with the right intentions and the right environment with a with focused facilitators, it can be extremely different and very powerful for helping initiate change and just break down those barriers. Like with MDMA, you know, it started with couples actually here in Dallas, um, you know, helping them with, with uh, their marriages and just mm -hmm. having that clarity between them, that, that honest love between them, breaking down those constructs so that they can talk in a real way. And that's, mm -hmm. that's where these medicines are so profound. And we're, we're seeing that. I mean, these guys, you know, with maps like uh, that works with NDMA, you're seeing people in three, maybe six sex sessions max moving through very traumatic PTSD, like just mm -hmm. past it. And you don't see that with traditional medicines. This is a, this is a very different thing. Yeah. I, I'm very excited as a person who has, done a, a number of psychedelic journeys um, and seen the benefits of myself. I'm very excited that as, as you mentioned, sort of phase three of MDMA trials gets passed, hopefully very soon uh, through the FDA, just what that means for the rest of the world. Coming back to these journeys, and you hinted at the integration part, but for me and Sean, I'd love to hear your viewpoint here. Like the psychedelic journey itself shows me what's possible. But if I do nothing on the back end, it, it's almost hard to implement what what I saw in, in that experience. I I would love to hear if you feel the same way, and also what you do personally uh, in those integration steps afterwards. Yeah, that's where uh, I did one clarigenic, as it was called, experience um, in in Nashville. Uh, they use 20 different uh plant medicines and it's wow yeah it's a, it's in for six hours you're you're wearing a mindfold it's called and listening to journey music and you just channel stuff to your from your higher self and it's just recorded and what mm -hmm. i loved with this was 
you know, I, again, I was forgiving people. I was coming up with business ideas, forgiving myself, saying, Sean, you kick ass. I love you. Like all this, it was just beautiful to just be in that space. And it wasn't, it was less altered and it was just more enlightenment. It was a very interesting experience. It was very different than other medicines I've used. And um, I had to go back and listen to myself for these six hours and then transcribe it myself. Of course, I could have used some app like, you know, Otter, Google Recorder, whatever, like to just, you know, translate it and, and transcribe it. Mm-hmm. But I was supposed to do it myself and make notes and hear my own voice. It was so powerful to do that, to listen to your own voice, uh, because so much of like in our lives, our voice is, is a negative voice, you know, the inner critic and, you know, the imposter syndrome. And if anyone talked to, you know, you, like you talked to you, you wouldn't be their friend, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, we're harsh, we're harsh. So to hear like your voice be so beautiful, so loving to give yourself so much grace, it's, it's transcendent. It's very powerful to hear that and it shifts you, but to take these notes and say, you know, here's what I'm saying. So I'm going to apply, like, I need to put these things in action is this is my higher self saying, this is what I need. This is what I need to feel love, to feel positive energy, to feel whole, to feel lit up. So I'm going to start taking steps towards these things. And I'm going to start removing some of the things that are blocks for that. And it's just looking at these items on a daily basis and saying, how can I move closer to these? And then also checking in with someone like your facilitator, you know, monthly or whatever it is and saying, here's where I'm at. What do you think? And obviously they're very skilled at, at working with people and, and helping them move in those directions, even through things that seem traumatic and very difficult to get out of. You can feel trapped a lot in your life. Like you feel like, like I was saying before, that everything's on rails and you can't escape. And it's not true. And when you work with a good facilitator and you work with yourself and break down the, the, the constructs, you see that you have way more freedom than you're allowing yourself. And you see that you have way more love than you're allowing yourself, both coming in and going out. And so that's that can be massive. And, and change, I will say, like, uh, gains momentum over time, like where mm-hmm. these things just start building. Like once you get that solid foundation, they start building and then you start facilitating for others to some degree. Like, you know, I started a, a mastermind group with, with me and five other friends. And, uh, and that just kind of came out of all this. Like now I, you know, check with, check with them daily on signal. And then we do like a once a week zoom and we're helping each other out, holding each other accountable. A lot of this just came from that that space <laughs> and now this is helping my growth further you know amazing sean if it's okay with you i want to talk a little bit because up to this point i've kind of teased people with the supplement uh sort of topic but i want to go a little bit into that and then get into the book uh, a little later but when it comes to supplements I think there's a lot of people that are both skeptics, but also there's a lot of, um, shall we say, uh, dodgy uh, people in the field. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, as somebody who's very much in this field and you formulated, I think, 
over a hundred different supplements. Is that right? 500. Yeah. 500 shit. <laughs> I was, I was a little off by five X, but, uh, you know, what, what kind of percentage of supplements out there just don't live up to what they say or said another way, don't have the, even the ingredients that they, they advertise on in the bottle. At one point, I would say it's, it was 90%, maybe 10 years ago. I would say mm-hmm. that there's been a trend towards more testing, more transparency, more um, straightforward labeling, a movement away from proprietary blends, which I'm just a huge, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I laughed because that was one of your bullet points in the yeah. book. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I can't stand them. Um, but I would say now it's maybe... 70, 75% are not trustable, but there's, Mm -hmm. there are really good brands out there that are consistent and that you can trust. And I do go through those in my book and I would be glad to mention some of them here if if you want, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, on, on the kind of cheaper end, some brands like, uh, now and Jero and doctor's best and Nordic naturals. And then like, uh, you know, like thorn life extension, pure encapsulations designs for health, like those are like some higher end ones that are consistent. And you know, mm-hmm. those are the brands I would support that they've been around for 20 years and they consistently test out and they have ingredients that are full transparency. Like the, they list the, the ingredient, the form it's in, you know, the plant part it's coming from the dose of it uh, and the standardization, it's all there. And so mm-hmm. you can go look it up on examine.com or wherever you want to go. And you can say, does this dose, does this form, does what they, uh, what they claim makes sense. And you can go look it up for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and so for the per- average person listening to this, when they're looking to evaluate a supplement and just any particular supplement, obviously the brands is very helpful and thank you for those suggestions, but just kind of, uh, going through the lists of uh, maybe sort of the red flags, because the red flags make me laugh a little bit. You already mentioned one proprietary blend. Uh, what are some of the other red flags that cause you to, you know, you as a formulator to cringe a little bit? Yeah. I mean, to, to go into proprietary blends, just so people know, uh, you could have like this proprietary blend with like 20 ingredients, let's say, right. <laughs> and um, it's 700 milligrams for the, the power and strength blend. And mm-hmm. it could be 699 milligrams for the first ingredient in that parentheses in the, uh, of your blend. And it could be one milligram for the other 19 ingredients. And it's just silly. And yet mm-hmm. you can list that. And people say, oh, it's got all the ingredients of all the things I've heard of that are good for building muscle or, you know, for, for blood sugar or what, whatever the product's for but you may not be getting any of it. You're getting that first mm-hmm. ingredient pretty much. And that's the only thing I could guarantee you. And quite often that first ingredient is the cheapest ingredient. It's, you know, creatine or something, which, you know, they can be a great ingredient, but it's a cheap one. And mm-hmm. all the expensive ones are listed later. And that's done very intentionally. And you don't, when you list things in a prop blend, you don't have to get them tested in the same way when you have the dose and the form and everything like the standardization listed out and it's got to be at this level. You don't have as much wiggle room there. Like, so you have to test out at those levels. You have to send it out to a lab and show that you're 
your product is testing for a minimum of mm -hmm. this. So I do not like proprietary blends. Uh, I, I think they're frustrating. I would love if we just didn't support products that have those and continue to move towards this full transparency. Uh, another thing to look at is that, for example, let's say with ginseng, you know, you want to look at that it's the right part of the plant. Sometimes they don't list what part. Sometimes they might say with ginseng, you want the root. That's where all the benefit is. So they might list something that's very cheap instead because it just says ginseng. They might list flower or plant or whole plant or whatever. And that's a red flag to me, obviously, is that, you know, that they would do that. Uh, another red flag would be that there isn't some standardization level for an herb. You want it standardized to something like that we can, you know, go back to studies and look and say, this is the active component. It's ginsenicide A that's for, you know, ginseng or total ginsenicides mm -hmm. or what, whatever it is. That's important. Uh, mm -hmm. Another one to look at is the structure function claims should be aligned with uh, the research and not be like ludicrous. Uh, if you see, you know, 880% more anything, just run from that product. Like that's, <laughs> those are ridiculous marketing claims that are just, mm -hmm. you can take something that did next to nothing and then compare it to something that did almost next to nothing. And that's an 880% difference. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's not very applicable data. Like you can always manipulate data. So mm -hmm. Uh, I like looking at, you know, the study was a quality study, you know, that you can look up the dose in the form and again, go to someplace like examine.com and kind of do a deep dive on it. And that would be great. Um, so just avoid stuff that the, the too good to be true claims. Um, mm -hmm. And another thing to look at is make sure the expiration date is solid. Um, you know, some people just pick up products. Uh, I like to look at when the expiration date is. Um, and those companies should also do what's called stability testing, where they see that the product tests out meets label claims at the, the end of expiration. So mm -hmm. if it's a two-year expiration, the product should meet label claims when it's made, but also meet label claims at two years later. That's mm -hmm. where you have to actually do a lot of testing when you're formulating these products to make sure if there's nutrient interactions or things that happen in blending that you put in overages mm -hmm. that'll meet that full shelf life. And then you also do the stability work uh, that's accelerated with heat and moisture. And you, you know, you continue to test it out and say, okay, we need to tweak the formula so that it continues to meet label claims. And that's an ongoing process. So those are all things like, and, and you should be able to reach out to any of these companies and say, can I see your lot testing? Can mm -hmm. I hear about what your quality control is? All that stuff should be accessible. And if it isn't, then that's obviously a big red flag too. I mean, if you're willing to like double down and invest in a company, then I think these are good questions that you can call the company and ask. If you're gonna give them, you know, if you're like Thorn is my company, I'm going all in on these guys. I'm going to, you know, buy four products a month from them. That's thousands of dollars a year, potentially. Like you should give them a call and then feel comfortable with what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, some great tips. Now, uh, the stability testing is an interesting one. And, you know, 
I'm certainly one that reaches out to these companies to the point where they sometimes get annoyed with me, but uh, the stability testing, how frequently of these companies, is it just sort of the best of breed that do stability testing or do you find that more and more people are kind of getting on that trend? I think it's more and more, it's, it's growing. Uh, there's a lot more accountability that's happening now because consumers are asking for it because there's education by people like me and you putting that information out there, people are starting to demand it. And then also these supplement companies are getting bought by uh, large food companies, by pharma companies, and they're risk averse. And, you know, there's, they may not be as exciting a brands when they get bought out. <laughs> they may not be as edgy, but they do put good practices in place to make sure stuff tests out, to make sure that the you know legal claims are there, uh, to make sure everything's squared away from that perspective that there's a lot less risk and liability. So in that sense, I'm seeing that have a really good impact on what best practice is on the industry as a whole. Before we get into just one of my favorite topics, and I know one of the audience's favorite topics of cognitive enhancement, you have this section of the book, which I believe is called Formulator's Corner. And it, it goes through, in each chapter, you kind of take people through uh, some of your thoughts around supplementation and things. Uh, and one uh, that always comes up when Sean Wells is mentioned is apple cider vinegar. Uh, how do we, how do, should people look at using apple cider vinegar in their kind of day-to-day life? Yeah, it's one of those things where it sounds like it's, um, you know, an old wives tale and it's kind of hocus yeah. pocus and that can't be as good as it is. Here's what I would say. One apple cider vinegar, like all vinegars, contains acetic acid. Acetic acid is the shortest chain fatty acid there is and it feeds the gut. Mm-hmm. And acetate uh, can help not only build ketones with acetoacetate and acetone, but also uh, when when two are, are put together, you have like a C4, the, the other short chain fatty acid butyrate that is massive gut fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also propionate, which is in between. Um, which there's some new kind of data coming out on that's, that's interesting with athletes and, and what they have in their gut. But butyrate and, and also butyrate goes to form beta-hydroxybutyrate, again, another ketone. So it's really interesting. Like I love these short-chain fatty acids, their interaction with uh, not only gut health and then, of course, brain health, gut-brain axis. Um, you know, butyrate is a postbiotic. That's how we're starting to talk about it, that that comes from these probiotic bacterial strains. Um, So butyrate is is powerful, but uh, acetate, uh, acetic acid from the uh, vinegar can fuel that gut, fuel the brain and, you know, help with depression, mood, energy, all those things. And then from there and and lower blood sugar, improve blood pressure. That's what we're seeing with vinegar consistently. One thing I like about apple cider vinegar in particular is that it has the mother in it. And that's mm-hmm. that, that swirly stuff at the bottom, that cloudy stuff. That's all mm-hmm. the acetobacteria. And again, that's feeding the gut. So I love this double shot for the gut. And people do see experientially a difference. 
mm-hmm. of like all these things. And it seems almost too good to be true, but you know, it's, it's because of all the things I said, it's impacting. Uh, it's a lot more than just a sour drink. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'd say. And how do you serve it? Like, how are, how do you work it into your day? Because, you know, for me, I'll take a shot of it before I eat something, but mm-hmm. some people, and I'm, I'm just kind of curious, do you have like a, a Sean Wells cocktail at home <laughs> that has apple cider vinegar? I do. I, I love it during fasting. Um, mm-hmm. but I also, you know, sometimes it gives you like that little zing that can kind of help you keep going. You know, if you're kind mm-hmm. of, if you want something like, but you want to stay fasting we could talk about how technical you are with like, what's a fast, what's not a fast, but Mm. I feel like, um, you know, having a shot of that is, is fun sometimes. Um, but I typically, I I like using it how you're saying, uh, it's the, if you're having a fatty meal, it's a great emulsifier of fat. Uh, it can help with digestion of that. Um, but I can add it to water sometimes. Like if it's too potent for you, you know, if you don't like that taste then just adding it to water, like taking one of those shots and just adding it to a full glass of water, it kind of makes it less acidic. And maybe that's easier for you, you being whoever's listening. So that, that mm-hmm. would be what I'd suggest, but I, I like using it the same way as you. Mm-hmm. Okay. There, there are, this is probably the number one question I was looking forward to asking you, by the way, Sean, there are gazillions of compounds out there in the world mm-hmm. and you're looking at potential formulation and you've done over 500 of these now, uh, <laughs> as I found out earlier, but you are trying to narrow down a list of compounds that would work in particular situations. Can you take us through the process here? Because I imagine there's just endless infinitesimal amounts of research that you could be doing on these compounds. And so how do you, how do you narrow the field, if you will? Yeah. That, and that reminds me of one thing I didn't mention with formulations is that mm. the next level of formulation beyond what I was talking about, things that don't test out or making sure they do things right. A real formulation by a formulator means that each ingredient has a purpose and fulfills some specific mechanism of action. And it's the best one for that. And that Mm -hmm. each ingredient has a synergy where they would work together and make sense put together. Not just, Mm -hmm. oh, here's 10 ingredients that all affect blood sugar. Mm -hmm. Okay, what is each one doing? Like, are they all working on the same mechanism of action? Why did you Mm -hmm. include 10 of them? You know, there needs to be a thought process there. So that's part of like 65 in some cases. Yeah. So that's part of the thought process there is like quite often I'll look at ingredients that, you know, I want to see that there's data there or I'm I'm going to go find the data. Like this ingredient is very similar in, and it looks like, you know, in terms of biochemistry, in terms of organic chemistry, this ingredient is very similar and how this ingredient works, but maybe because it's because it has this methyl group or whatever, it's going to work a little bit better. That's theoretical, but I'm going to work with my partner in China, uh, where we he has uh, over 100 scientists, a 400,000 square foot facility that's GMP, and I'm able to create these ingredients in like weeks, and like I can like try them out within weeks and. You know, I'll, I'll quite often I'll try them out on myself <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm the lab rat 
And, uh, but we can do uh, animal research. He has a lab for that. And then I have two partners uh, in the United States that are German scientists, very accomplished, Ralph, uh, Dr. Ralph Yeager, Dr. Martin Purpura. They've done hundreds of studies, uh, worked with all kinds of labs, worked with all kinds of branded ingredient companies uh, on things like HMB, alpha GPC, PKTP, all these you know kinds of ingredients. And um, that's part of it is like, I'll come up with this idea, I'll run it by the team. I want to see, is it is it feasible on the manufacturing side with my Chinese partner? Is it, you know, does it have stability? Can it be made for a realistic price? Will we do enzymatic or fermentation or full like synthetic? How, like how are we, we making it? And the raw materials that go into making it. And then with my other partners, like looking at, you know, what is the research around it? What is the intellectual property around it? Like, what could we say if we come out with this? Like, how could we research this and create more intellectual property? That's largely what I'm doing now is I've actually moved away from typically formulating. I, I do still some for some very, uh, you know, significant partners, but mostly I've been focusing on intellectual property and novel ingredients. So that's what I'm looking at is like, I want it to have logic and rationale in terms of that organic chemistry, biochemistry. It's working on a pathway that that pharmaceuticals looking to exploit, um, you know, something like that. Like I'm looking at brown adipose tissue and mm-hmm. I don't know, like you know, uh, PGC one alpha and you know whatever. I'm I'm looking at and like does this does this ingredient potentially do that? And then that's what we're exploring together as a team. So it's that kind of stuff. It's really fun. I really, really enjoy it. So at this point in your career, how many patents do you have on various different ingredients? Over 10 right now, but there's several more. There's about 10 more (laughs) that have been filed recently. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's probably about 20 and there's probably about 20 more that uh, are kind of in, in motion probably this year. So a lot. Very cool. Sounds like the team is very busy. Mm -hmm. Very much. But it's exciting. Like, you know, recently, you know, some of the ingredients we've been working on um, that I can talk about, like L-beta, beta amino isobutyric acid, it's an exercise mimetic. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, similar to the drugs like ACAR or uh, GW501516, I believe. Is that the, uh, is that Osterine or what's the other name for it? I, I can't no, remember. No, uh, Carterine, I think it there is. There you go. Okay. Yeah. I think Osterine is like S4, like a SARM. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this mimics exercise, which we can't go out and say in the supplement world because the FDA states that you need to say with healthy diet and exercise. So what I can say, and we're getting the data around this now, and we're showing that it's elevated in plasma when you take it orally, all this stuff. And we're getting grass, which is generally recognized as safe, which means all the toxicology work. There's a lot that goes into all this. But mm-hmm. we can say that it's an exercise augmenter, like where you're getting more out of each rep and each step. Like I'm trying to not promote the idea of like you can just sit on your couch and and reap the benefits, which is Although there's a certain amount possible. of people that would love that, right? <laughs> right, 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 exactly. But I, I like the idea of it, of it being an augmenter. And another mm-hmm. ingredient, uh, L-ergothionine, has been really fun as well. 
we have this ergothionine transporter in our body just for this ingredient. And we have mm -hmm. storage of this ingredient in our body. And this is just crazy for me to find. They were actually considering whether it should be like a vitamin or not, similar to PQ. Yeah. And it protects the mitochondria and has a lot mm -hmm. to do with, um, with the immune health and all these things. And it's just, it's fascinating, this ingredient. So we've been working on that. Um, and it's just super small doses, like five to 10 mm -hmm. milligrams we're talking about of this amino acid. So it's very interesting because it does have this transporter you only need very tiny doses. So it's just, it's absolutely fascinating. And so I, I love this stuff. Wow. Wow. Let's talk a little bit about cognitive enhancement because uh, it's a topic that everybody listening to the show seems to love. And I know you've even got a section of the book uh, discussing nootropics in general, but given just sort of your vast knowledge and experience in this space, what do you kind of look at and say, this is sort of the current frontier or best of breed cognitive enhancers? And I, I know that there's kind of different categories and you lay this out very beautifully in the book, but how do you look at cognitive enhancement ingredients right now? And what are some of your favorites? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of places that you can cover. I mean, there's peptides like uh, dihexa or cerebrolysin. There's these plant medicines like psilocybin yeah. that are going to enhance BDNF, the neuroplasticity mm -hmm. in the brain, right? Um, and then there's or even like ketamine, right? Ketamine, ketamine has. Some. And there's you know drugs uh, that are certainly like um, I take uh, ProVigil or NuVigil from time to time. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously that's a great nootropic. And then there's these gray market compounds, these different race tams and. Um, you know, things like cooler tam and, and, you know, paracetam and all, all these different things, uh, new pept, which I do mention in the book, but I tried in the book to really focus because this is meant for more mainstream. My, my next book, I think I'm going to go into peptides, plant medicines, and biologics, mm -hmm. which will be like more hardcore. Like I think a longevity focused book that's, that's kind of mm -hmm. taking this step forward past where I think this book is. Uh, but I wanted this book to be accessible. So I, I mostly describe stuff that you can buy easily and is healthy and has very clear demonstrated scientific uh, validity. So I think any nootropic stack has to be built around um, a choline, like a really good choline source, uh, which would be something like CDP choline or my favorite one is alpha GPC. Mm -hmm. That has the uh, ability to pass by the blood-brain barrier. Uh, you know, choline forms acetylcholine, uh, which is a neurotransmitter, um, you know, which you burn through quite a bit of, like when you're focused in these, you know, kind of nootropic, these cognitive enhancement states. And then also your your brain is made up of these, these fats that, that need like phosphatidylcholine, phosphatidylserine, all these phospholipids. So it has dual benefit and I'm just a huge fan of choline. And unless you're eating eggs every day or taking a supplement with choline in it every day, you're not getting enough choline. They've shown that. So mm -hmm. I think it's really good to build that as your foundation. And then from there, I would look at some of the, the key methylators associated with neuroconduction, um, like things like uh, 5-methyl tetrahydrofolate, the active form of folate, uh, methylcobalamin, 
the active form of B12. Uh, I do like Nupept uh, as a raised ham. It's very, it's it's more accessible than than most of the others, and a lot mm -hmm. less complicated, and a really low dose. It's 10 to 30 milligrams a day. Start with 10, work your way up, see what you think. I don't like stacking a bunch of raised hams. I think with anything nootropic, there's there's a discussion in my book, like in that first chapter you're talking about, about like bioindividuality and kind of figuring out your own stack. This is like 10x is true in nootropics. If you yeah. look at anyone's stack, if you go to Reddit or wherever, every single person's stack is different. You cannot just jump in and take someone's stack that they built out over two or three years. So it must drive you nuts because it drives me nuts when you kind of see these Facebook forums where people are like, what do you think of my stack? And then they list 10 different things or whatever, because in reality, if it works for them, it works for them. It may not work for me. Right. Especially with neurotransmitters. Like it's just, yeah. people are so different. Um, so, you know, some things that are, you know, enlightening and energizing for some might give you brain fog and headaches. Mm -hmm. uh, it just doesn't. And, and maybe it will work for you if slow dosed ramped up over time with just one thing, but you have mm -hmm. to give it time. Like you can't just go right into like this full on stack. Like it's really good to do the one thing at a time, the scientific method, evaluate what it's doing for you. Is it working for me? Is it not? Okay. Let me go on to the next thing you know, instead of just throwing the kitchen sink at it, which obviously doesn't work too well. Um, mm -hmm. Another thing that I would mention that is very cognitive enhancing would be raising ketone levels. And there's a variety mm -hmm. of ways to do that. You can do that obviously with intermittent and especially extended fasting. You can do that with a ketogenic diet, especially the lower carb you go, the higher mm -hmm. the ketones will be. So doing like a zero carb or carnivore is going to like elicit the highest ketones. Then you can use exogenous ketones like the salts or esters. You can use C8 MCTs, caprylic acid MCTs. Uh, those are going to elicit the most ketones. And you can use things like berberine or dihydroberberine as a glucose disposal agent to kind of hasten that. Mm -hmm. And then you can also do glycogen depletion exercise where you're like things like HIT, high intensity interval training will deplete glycogen very quickly and help you get into that state where you're you know starting to use ketones and ketones are elevated but those are great for for the brain the brain loves ketones uh and can be quite healing when you shift away from uh, especially like if you've had uh trauma to the brain like um a traumatic brain injury uh that area can be very similar in research it's found to like uh, an Alzheimer's type brain where it's insulin resistant in those cells, those brain cells. So providing that alternate fuel source can, you know, surpass that, that mitochondrial dysfunction uh, and provide that, that fuel source, that energy to make ATP, the, the cellular energy source. So you're no longer in that insufficient cellular energy state in your brain. So that can be healing to your brain to have the ketones and switch off from the glucose. And of course, like if you have neurodegenerative diseases or have a tendency towards those, it's definitely something to look at as well as you don't need to stay on keto year round. I'm just saying like, do some things to raise ketones from time to time. Like whether it's a ketogenic diet here and there, you know, a couple of times a year for several months or whether it's 
you know, doing extended or intermittent fasting in your schedule, doing glycogen depletion, uh, taking a glucose disposal agent like metformin or berberine or dihydroberberine, things like that are going to be good for your long-term brain health, especially when we're exposed to high glycemic carbohydrate, we're not moving enough, we're not fasting enough, all those kinds of things. So uh, those can all be helpful uh, at raising ketones. The last thing I'd say is what we were talking about before is increasing BDNF and Mm -hmm. increasing um, cerebrovascularity, vasodilation would be the polyphenol group, I feel is just powerful, just across the board in all aspects of anti-aging, oxidation, Mm -hmm. glycation, inflammation, methylation, like uh, activating the sirtuin genes. I mean, they're CR mimetics, uh, caloric restriction mimetics. Mm-hmm. Like the, the polyphenols, it's just an amazing group. And if you look at like all these uh, um, blue zone cultures, they all have like these polyphenol, you know, it's the olive oil and the red wine. And, yeah. you know, you look at this, it's the cacao and it's the green tea. And, you know, it's very interesting to look at like all these foods and beverages are high in polyphenols and Mm -hmm. they have a a much greater propensity to pan out versus typical antioxidant supplementation, Mm -hmm. um, which is very, the data is very conflicting on. And Mm -hmm. I love polyphenols for this. And so most of the polyphenols also have been shown to increase that neuroplasticity, the BDNF, um, Mm -hmm. which as we age, um, we have uh, a crystallized intelligence and a fluid intelligence. And the crystallized intelligence is how we can actually get smarter as we age. We get better and better at the shortcuts, right? Like, you know, take that same way to work and like the 50th time, like you're like dialed, like you know every nuance. Mm-hmm. And that's how we get smarter as we age but we get quote unquote dumber as we age with the fluid intelligence where the the ability to take on new tasks. And that's where it's important to take your polyphenols, to do, to raise ketones, to challenge your brain with brain games or with taking different ways to work or learning a new instrument or a new language or, you know, using your belt the opposite way or holding your brush with the opposite hand or, you know, Mm -hmm. doing this stuff like to keep it, confusing and fresh uh, helps your brain stay more neuroplastic, but so do these uh, polyphenols that that would be very helpful as you age. And some, oh, sorry, some examples of those polyphenols, things like quercetin, which you would find in uh, like apples and onions, uh, EGCG, which you find in green tea, Um, uh, let's see, resveratrol, transresveratrol, which you find in red wine, a coffee berry, which you find in coffee, uh, which is chlorogenic acid, is typically uh, one of the polyphenols in there. Um, terastilbene from blueberries. So, like these are, you know, as you start thinking about this, you're like, oh, like these are the things like these cultures like thrive on and live on and like are staples. Um, you know, these are like powerful things that help with our staying young. So I would, uh, if I was to like recommend like one group of things to really focus on, it's these polyphenols. Amazing. Uh, Sean, let's, let's get into the book because we've kind of dabbled and hinted at it for people today, but the energy formula, 
do you mind just breaking down for us what energy actually stands for in this case? Because it's an acronym, and I would love to just have people understand a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, it's yeah the energy formula, and I was trying to figure out like what all of this work for me in my life revolved around. And you know, I could talk about biohacking, I could talk about keto, and and supplements, and exercise, and all these different things, the labs I was getting, but it all revolved around me wanting to have more energy, more vitality, more just not feeling, you know, I know chronic fatigue syndrome. I know obesity. I know inflammation and pain. I know not being able to get out of bed. I know suicidal thoughts and depression. I know not feeling like I'm enough. I know hating myself. And so like the energy formula just felt right for me. And then I kind of constructed this acronym uh, that is experiment, you know, for the first E. And that's that whole uh, biohacking and bioindividuality and figuring out what really for you and using that scientific method and not trying to just apply things that work for other people. That can be directional. It can be informative, but that may not work for you. And the book goes through like how to how to properly employ that. Um, the next one would be nutrition, and I get into paleo and carnivore, vegan. Like go through all, all those things and what might work for you. Uh, certainly, I can tell you without a doubt that uh, ultra processed food is something that you should move away from, <laughs> and I think everyone should agree on that. And I think people that argue over you know, vegan being the healthiest diet. And then some people are saying carnivore and it seems so opposite, right? And counterintuitive. But I think when I hear that, I'm just like, yes, those are whole food. Cool. Mm -hmm. We agree on that. Yeah. Animals have been living for millions of years on either. So, yep, carnivore, vegan, cool. It's the bullshit that's come along in the last 50 years that's garbage and making us sick and is the reason that America, despite having amazing healthcare and disposable income and supposedly the best of everything, we're ranked so low in the world when it comes to our health and our mortality. Mm -hmm. I would say a big reason is, I mean, food availability and then the ultra processed food. Like we have too much food available too easily. So we don't yeah. fast. So we don't have to work for it. We don't have to, put much thought into it, we can just say, this is what I want right now. And I think that's good and get it. Um, but ultra processed food for sure. And not only is it ultra processed, which seems unhealthy with the GMOs and the antibiotics and the artificial flavors, sweeteners, colors, and all the things that are in it, all these chemicals, but it's meant to be manipulative. It's there's something in it called bliss point. And they engineer these foods so that you overeat them. They override satiety and they trigger dopamine and serotonin in your brain. It's like explosion orgasm. And that's why we're overeating these foods. So I get into all that kind of stuff. And then uh, the next one is exercise. I get into exercise hacks, things like you, you probably do know of high intensity interval training, but you might not know intraset stretching and blood flow restriction and some of these other fun hacks that are really good to know that can get more Um, and I get into routines, like some morning and nighttime routines. And, you know, that's a, a massive part of success is just, you know, you set the pace for your day with a morning routine. Mm -hmm. 
Tim Ferriss found in Tools of Titans that successful people all had two things in common. They were experimenters, which I talked about in that first chapter. They don't view things as win or fail. They view things as win or learn. And I will continue to experiment. So win or learn means it's a reframe. And that's what some other uh, people have noted that successful people all have that reframing mentality in mind. And I'll get to that in my next chapter that I'll talk about in a second. But the other thing that these successful people had that Tim Ferriss found was morning routines. Mm-hmm. They're really good at starting their day successfully, dialed, planning, you know, starting it with a, a, a presence, a mindfulness, not feeling like rushed and out of control and like the day is happening to you. You know, that you are in control, that you planned out your day looking for things to come up but it won't steer your entire day and steer you into oblivion. So Mm -hmm. it's a very different mindset. And we get into all that and get into the nighttime routines that help you set like very good sleep hygiene, it's called. And where you have like consistent bedtime and you have a sleep fortress and and all those kinds of things and how you prepare your mind for the night. The next one, like I was saying, that reframing mentality that's so important with success and happiness that's in the growth chapter. And we also get into um, intermittent or extended. Um, but that's, that's a big one is, is as you know, the obstacle is the way, like, right? So like we're wishing for no obstacle, we're not wishing for a shortcut around the obstacle. We realize that the obstacle is the way. And that is the idea of hormesis too, in, you know, biologically, that we challenge ourselves and then, you know, that agitation leads to adaptation, right? But happy mm-hmm. the that's thing that I get into in the book is like that that Goldilocks zone and, and positive stress, which is called eustress, not distress, where it's training too much. And that's where you can look at like HRV and have your wearables and all that and make sure that you're recovered enough. There's actually, um, there's a term that I like that's come up more recently with uh, research has talked about overtraining for years with athletes. But I like the term, there's a newer term that's under-recovered. It's a different way to look at the same idea. Um, And then the last one is your tribe. And that's really talking about community. And again, going back to those blue zones where I've been to like Sardinia several times, for example, and they spend three, four hours having dinner. They prepare the meal, they connect, they open up, they commune. And it's a very different feeling than just rushing through a meal and shoving food into your face. And I actually have some theories that psychosomatically that we're triggering our body for, uh, you know, sympathetic nervous system activation when we're eating because we're eating while we're watching, you know, Game of Thrones with like sex and violence. We're eating while we're in the car, shoving food in our face, weaving in and out of traffic. We're eating while we're at work out of a vending machine and we're under heavy stress and we need that monster in the, in the honey bun. You know, mm-hmm. what, is, what is the act of eating you, that you're training your body for? You're training it for stress. And it's very different from the way they eat and psychosomatically, like they're approaching it to like parasympathetic, like they're ready to relax for three or four hours at the table and talk and Yes, they have a glass, but they're having it while they're de-stressing, while they're talking and they're sipping it 
And it's a very different experience than just pounding some wine. So it's hard to yeah. tease that out. It's like the, the, the culture is very different. They slow down. They're not looking at their phones when they're talking to each other. That's some of what I get into in, in the energy formula. It has like 70 full color diagrams, over 100 scientific citations, um, surveys that help you out through the book, like where you're at and where you're going so you can judge your success. All that kind of stuff is in there. So I'm really proud of this book. It has a lot of my stories like you talked about. Um, so it's very personal. Um, but talking about like they go into the supplements, the forms, the doses, the brands, and then resource hacks in each chapter gets into um, all the stuff with uh, devices and apps and all those kinds of recommendations. So it's just loaded with stuff you can use. You can go to energyformula.com and see everything about it. Uh, and I would love it if you support it. Uh, it's only 99 cents as an ebook, which is dirt cheap. Yeah. And I just want people to have it in their hands. And and I'll come out with a hardcover that's $39.99, but that's literally cost me $39.80 to make it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm doing a recording next week in LA on the book. So that'll be out soon too. But it's literally a labor of love. I, I just want people to have it and benefit from it. This is my gift to the world. Like that's all it's about. Like I didn't take any money from any of the brands that are mentioned in there. I wanted it to be completely honest information. And I'm just proud of that. I'm proud of what I'm putting out. And I was telling you before we clicked record, Sean, that, you know, the first chapter alone uh, is worth purchasing for people in the sense that you walk through how, if you think about just what the basic person spends on supplements, right, uh, every year, and that could be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, right, in certain cases, how to select those supplements, what brands to get into, and then just kind of taking us through what some of the best breeds are in these various categories, that to me is just well worth I mean, it's only 99 cents, like why not buy it? But uh, like you did put a lot of work into this. I can tell it and it's fantastic. So thank you for putting together the book. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot coming from you. Like I, you know, that's like one of the most nerve wracking things is like when you're, when your peers like judge it, you know, and it's like, well, will it be okay? And uh yeah, I'm, I'm proud of it. It's, there's so much attention to detail here that it took two years to really hone this thing in. So I'm, I'm very proud of it. And it means a lot that you like it. Sean Wells, where can people find out more about you, your work? You already mentioned where to get the book, but where can people learn more about you? Uh, SeanWells.com, S-H-A-W-N-W-E-L-L-S. And then I'm at Sean Wells, same spelling on Instagram. Um, and I'm starting to get into Clubhouse. That's been an interesting one of late. I'm just at biohacking on there. Um, so that's been fun. A uh, lot of great conversations with great people that are on our level. And, and it's really fun just having these uh, almost like, um, you know, these panels that, you know, I love like when we're at conferences, when those used to happen, like it's nice yeah. to have like these expert panels and just, and just talk with each other as, as experts. And it's fun to work through these things. So I've enjoyed that. 
Um, but those would be the, the best places to find me. And, uh, and I appreciate anyone supporting the book and telling their friends about it. It's obviously, I think, a great value, a great deal at the price you can get it at. I don't think 99 cents should be a barrier at this point. It'll go up after launch, but definitely appreciate people supporting it. And if they go to energyformula.com, I also have a, a hidden chapter that's also free um, that's on movement, natural movement, which I think is very important. I mean, animals don't work out. I, I'm not, I'm definitely for working out, but I get into like how natural movement should be built into our day. And then uh, I have a fasting guide, uh, fasting for energy that is free as well, uh, that goes into depth on, on fasting. So those things are free. If you go to energyformula.com, if you go straight to Amazon, you won't get those free things, but I, I appreciate the support no matter what. And I obviously appreciate your support because you're amazing. And it's so awesome to be on the show and talk to you. And it's been a complete pleasure, Boomer. Uh, I love all the people that have recommended me uh, to you. And uh, that's, it's like, wow, then this guy's really, really awesome. So, and you have been, and I'm, and I'm excited to uh, develop the friendship more. Likewise. And I think this is just the first of many conversations. And Sean, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, just learning from you and hearing all these stories. And whenever you want, the mic is always yours. You're welcome back. Thank you for coming. Thank you, brother. Like I said before, Sean is a wealth of information on the supplement industry and so many other things. In fact, I really enjoyed that he was so open about his personal experience with everything from body dysmorphia uh, to some of the more psychological issues he's battled through. Sean, thank you for coming on the show. And you guys should all check out his book because he has a really wicked offer on it right now. And I mean wicked in the best of ways. You should go and check out his book, which we'll link to in the show notes at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Sean, S-H-A-W-N. Thank you everyone for listening. Have an absolutely epic day.